What's up, everyone? Welcome to Creator Support. On this week's episode, we talk about some lessons that we learned from watching Casey Neistat's most recent YouTube video. We also talk about when it's okay to defend yourself in the comments, and we break down the genius of Prime's marketing by Logan Paul and KSI. All right, if you make it to the deep end, let us know. Okay, for those of you watching, I just wanna acknowledge that I can barely recognize myself right now, and I know this is jarring for everyone. Here's what happened. Yeah, you've got some explaining. Yeah, yeah. I went to a barbershop that I've been going to more frequently, which has been a big change for me because I changed barbers. And they had a TV on. And my barber faced me towards the TV to watch an NFL game. So I didn't, I wasn't aware of what was going on with yeah, my hair. Of course. And you trusted the barber. Yeah. Yeah. It just is. Listen, we didn't have a discussion. Look, which is which is the problem. It's not a bad haircut. No, no, it's just shorter than I anticipated. It's just, it was surprising when I saw you this morning. Yeah, and the issue right now as a creator is that there's continuity that I have to take into account here. We're in the middle of shooting a course. Mm -hmm. For those of you, you- you just lost like 25 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I look a completely different person. Yeah. So now I'm, I think for the next module that we're shooting tomorrow of the course, I'm gonna have to wear a hat. Because it's going to be too jarring of a change video to video to go from the long-haired version of me to this medium-length-haired version of me. Yeah, when I saw you across the coffee shop this morning, yeah. you gave me a normal head nod, like, yeah. hey, good morning. And I was like, how dare you, well, yeah, you act like it's business as usual? You, like, pantomimed a haircut. Yeah, I was like, you were like, yeah, and I was like, like scissoring yeah. around <laughs> your hair, like my head being like, hey, man, before we just yeah. head nod each other, yeah, let's yeah, acknowledge yeah. the elephant in the room. So for those of you who are going to take the course, um, I just want to acknowledge there's going to be a section of the course where I'm wearing a hat and it is to ease you into my new look. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not, yeah, again, it's, it's not, not because the cut is bad. Yeah. It's not because the cut is bad. I think it's, it's no fault to the barber. Nope. There's, there's really no one at fault here. Yep. Except for the Philadelphia Eagles. What? I, I, what? what? <laughs> that was the game that was on. Okay. Wow. Anyway, uh, welcome That's to the show. Got against like winners? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't tell if you're into sports or not. Uh, welcome to the show. Let's talk about a YouTube video that both of us watched that we were having uh, a lot of conversation about here in our studio, which is uh, Casey Neistat's video. I don't even know what it's called. It's called My New Career as a Male Model and Professional Skateboarder. Okay, so it's classic Casey Neistat vlog. Um, but it's classic in a way that uh, maybe is is most nostalgic for you and I, mm -hmm. because it's Casey interweaving a brand into his vlog format. And I think for all creators, we did an episode of Creator Support where we talked about Mr. Beast's interwoven advertising, how he, you know, basically takes a critical moment in his stories and then is able to weave an advertiser's messaging into that yeah, and do it in a way where the story is progressing and the ad is progressing at the same time. This is different. Yep. This is a more old school way. And and some there's something about how Casey does this that made me fall in love with advertising. Yeah. I want to get to his older stuff. Yeah. And what he did for us. But I think what you said about Mr. Beast versus this, I want to talk about a little bit further how Mr. Beast, it's still like 90 seconds worth of the overall video. Yeah. And there's parallel narratives, like you're saying. There's the story and then there's the brand story and he finds a way to keep you engaged and you're getting information from two sources. They're somehow related and 
it makes you want to watch that section of the video. It's one of the better sections of the video, which is great for an ad integration where you're taking up 90 seconds. You want to yeah. make it more valuable. That's your business. You want to make it one of the best parts of the video. Casey makes the entire video essentially about this brand. And the whole thing is entertaining. And we're like bought in. Yeah. But you, of course, you, the viewership is very different. Sure. You have no idea you're watching. I mean, this also very well might not be an ad. Like it might not be part of his deliverables for Lululemon. Totally. And let's be clear, this is about Casey uh, being in a Lululemon commercial and um, getting to act in that commercial, like a nationwide commercial. It could be a deliverable. It could not be. It's unclear to me. But the the thing that I wrote down was most creators, including ourselves, the way we position a brand to our audience is we introduce a problem and show you how the brand is the solution to that problem, mm -hmm. right? What Casey does here is he introduces a friend to his friend group. Those are very different things. Like if I was to sit down with a group of friends and tell them about uh, a, a solution to all of our collective problems, you know, hey, I just started working out at this new gym. It's great. The classes are short. It's fun. Now I'm introducing a solution to a collective problem. We all want to get more fit. Here's, here's a solution. What Casey's doing is saying like, hey, you remember a couple years ago, I told you that story about how I went on that trip? That was with this friend, Brad. And Brad's going to come hang out with us for a bit. So let me tell you all the great things about Brad. So you have a good feeling about him when I introduce him to you. That's what Casey does. Those are two very different um, strategies of how you introduce a brand. And every time Casey has introduced a brand on his channel, it has that feel to it of like he's introducing a friend to his community and building up the context so that you know that they have played a pivotal role in his life. Yeah, and he, for me, he makes it aspirational <laughs> to make, whether this is an ad or not, to make, I guess I'll just say, to work with brands. Yeah, yeah. You know, from the beginning of watching the video he made, Make It Count with Nike, or uh, the Mercedes series, the mm -hmm. four-part series he did with Mercedes, the video he made with J. Crew, I watched those videos of, I don't know how many years ago that is at this point, but when you and I were watching those videos, I remember thinking like, oh, I wanna make that video, I wanna work with that brand, that is an entire lifestyle. That's an identity. He manages to wrap up like working with a brand into his identity so seamlessly that it's contagious. Like when I watched the Lululemon video, I, you know, I want to be a friend to Lululemon at this point. Like I want to be in that ad. I want to be there in Vancouver. Yeah. I just want to be in an ad now. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he does this thing though, where he, he pulls out of the vlog and he sits back down in his studio and he does this really cool thing with the calendar where he, he pushes it like, you know, far back in time. And he shows that the pants that he's advertising in July of 2017, he has an Instagram photo that you can go look at where he is wearing those pants. So he's proving to you again, this has been a part of his life for a while. Then he shows screenshots of the email exchanges between him and Lululemon because he wore a Lululemon shirt when he ran the New York City Marathon. So again, he's building context and a relationship with this, this brand and also these people. He's showing they're having regular communication. These are like subtle things that feel like they're just part of the story, but it, 
it changes our relationship to this brand and to this experience that a creator that we like is having uh, and makes it a more like pleasant experience for us. And again, it, it's the whole thing is about him working with a brand, which is incredible. I, I watched this video and I took a step back and I was like, I'm not sure there's many other creators, if, if, if there even are other creators who can do this. The only one that I think, you and I both talked about this, which was really interesting, was Colt Kerwin's first branded video. He walks into his room, which is the content closet where he lives with two other creators, and he pulls up the camera and he's like, guys, we finally did it. Because of you guys, we got the first sponsor on our channel. So thank you OnePlus for sponsoring this video. And that to me is that same feel of introducing a friend to a friend group. Being like, we guys, this is super exciting. This person is here. Mm -hmm. This thing happened. For all of us, it's exciting. Yeah. So two very different styles of advertising. I <clears throat> think, you know, you and I have always been interested in this. It is our business as creators to understand and recognize how people are positioning brands in their videos. Um, but I think we're on the, we're, we're in a moment where this style is going to expand. It's going to expand beyond the like, um, you know, short uh, brand integration. I think it'll probably go into more deep relationships between creators and advertisers. I do think creators are going to start to show up in more traditional advertising whether that's on TV or likely also on YouTube. Yeah, it was, uh, <clears throat> I just loved seeing this video and thinking about how inspired and influenced we were by his early work with brands, yeah. especially while we were at Lacrosse Network. Like the science of playing fast, which is a series we made for Gatorade. That's true. Was so heavily inspired by what he did. That's very With true. brands back then. You know, you and I were characters like running through tests with them and, yeah. You know, it was just such a huge part of how we wanted to portray ourselves at the time. Totally. Um, okay. On this note, uh, we got a question that says, I couldn't find the course you guys are talking about. Can you share an info or a link where I can sign up? I'm a new creator uh, and I want to find out what I'm missing. Okay. Uh, really quickly, just on this note, I know we've talked about this a couple of times. Uh, we'll put it in the link for the, uh, in the description here and, and on the audio feed. It's not out yet. We're still shooting it. Um, but it is all about how to work with brands. It's about how to position yourself better to work with brands. It's about uh, how to create long-lasting relationships, how to get to a renewal, how do you price yourself. Uh, the course is best suited for, for someone who's not necessarily a new creator, but someone who's doing brand partnerships already and wants to take that business to the next level. It's very much you know, for what we, the position that we were in when we were doing sporadic brand deals. We were we were doing like a $1,000 deal here, an $800 deal here, and we wanted to figure out how do we actually make this consistent? How do we build something where we have a shot at making this a career? That's, that's the moment in time that I think this is uh, good for, not a brand new creator. So we'll be really clear about that when we, when we put this out in the market. Um, but right now it's just a waiting list. Uh, if you want to, uh, put some information in and sign up for that waiting list if you're interested. Great. If not, no worries. Okay. I found this question to be super interesting. Um, pretty unique. Hey, Colin, it's Mir. I have a YouTube channel with my brother where I create four to six minute explainer videos. But lately we've been getting a lot of comments accusing our videos of being completely made with AI 
even though we only use AI as a voice on our channel because English isn't our first language. What should we do about this situation? I would say be honest and transparent <clears throat> yeah, with your that. audience about the fact that you're using AI as a tool. I think that's the advantage of being a creator is that you can move fast enough to address comments like this. The fact that you even have these comments is yeah. actually a really good sign that people are watching that's a good point. and have a point of view about your style. That's great. Yeah, that's, that is a really good point. Um, yeah, I think getting on the channel uh, with a video titled like, are we real? Or like, you know, is this channel run by AI? Question mark. Yeah, like, or even if you can find a way to weave it into some of your episodes so you don't change the value of the video to the audience, yeah. but you use the AI voice as almost a character. Oh, like make sure that the audience knows there's like the that. AI voice and then mm -hmm. there's you and pop in at certain times. Yeah, I like that. Or like there's a world where all of your outros could be you and your brother. Mm -hmm. Being like, in you know, thanks for watching. We're the ones who run the channel, subscribe. Like there's some version where you can have it become consistent. I think give a name <laughs> to the AI voice. Ask the audience, like, what should we call this voice? Mm. I don't know if that's your brand because yeah. it's a little yeah, yeah. like kitschy and funny. Bring them into the but, world. But like bring them into the world, you know? Yeah, what and should also- we, What should we call this? I find this to be a really interesting use case of AI. English is not our first language, so- But, uh, but we want to reach But we want to make like video essays or explainers. Super interesting use case. I think the um, there's only a few AI voices right now out in the market. Like the Eleven Labs voice is kind of the one that everyone uses. Also, hey Jen, yeah, great tool for this if you want to be on camera. Oh, so it'll, it can be your voice. Yeah, it'll literally be your voice. Oh, oh, it'll yeah. change your mouth movements. Yeah, using good AI. point. So it's just you basically speaking in English. Good point. Hey Jen, look it up. We made a, a short about it. Yes. Real. All right. On the same topic, this comes from the Discord from learn how to sign, when is it appropriate to defend yourself in the comment section? There have been so many times where I've felt the urge to pounce on a negative comment and attack, but then I think, to what end? Sometimes I shy away to not stir up the hornet's nest. I think I've only defended myself a couple of times, both because my blood was boiling and because it felt important to pr protect the brand's image and values. Do you all have advice on when it is and isn't appropriate to respond to negative comments? Great question. That is a good question. I think <clears throat> something to take into account here is your energy. Is it worth your energy? Like, is the comment actually taking control over you? Like, is it affecting you so much that it's ruining your day? Or is it something that you actually want to like set the record straight about the tone and the culture that you want to have in your community? Right. Like if it's, if you feel like the comment is affecting other people in your community in a negative way, then I think that can be a good time to step in with your belief. Mm -hmm. But if it's just something personal to you and it's like grinding your gears and you're angry about it, I would think about if it's worth the energy to comment. Yeah, right? totally. Like is it actually going to do anything mm -hmm. if you comment? So uh, to answer the question personally, like if there's any level of, negativity towards us or towards the content or towards the channel, we don't reply to it. Like there's not, like everyone, this is the context of what we do. We put out a video and we just put it out on the internet for people to judge and, you know, watch, like, hate, just that's, that's what we do. Um, I think if there's any level of rhetoric that is, doesn't align with the environment we're trying to make, there's a lot of tools for that, whether it's like 
putting the words in the back end of YouTube that you allow or not allow on your channel, you know, just blocking someone or deleting their comment. Like there's a lot of simple things to do there, but yeah, I don't really engage with like negativity. I do think some of it is interesting feedback. I, I read some of it and I'm like, that's interesting, but I can look at it all from like a very objective view of we're making a show. Some people are going to like the show. Some people aren't. We're very unique styles of hosts. Some people like our style. Some people don't like our style. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, it kind of is what it is. If, if, if someone's like personally attacking you and you find it to be just like not something you want to engage with, like there's a super clean option to like block someone or, you know, but I, I, I don't think being combative and going back and forth, I just don't find it to be a good use of time. I was watching this weekend, the Sylvester Stallone <laughs> documentary on okay. Netflix. And after he had his hit, which was Rocky, uh, that he wrote, he then went and did a few other videos that like, or movies that bombed. Yeah. And he was so combative. He would like outwardly on talk shows say that he wanted to fight the critics. Like he'd be like, <laughs> you show up in any alley and I'll be there. And, <laughs> and it did not bode well for him. Sure. Yeah. Like it's not uh, the right of course. response. And yeah. he knows that looking back. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It's also though, like you have to acknowledge some of this stuff does get you pissed off. Like it's your identity. It's your work. It's yeah. you. You take it personally, of course. Uh, it's been over time that I feel like I've been able to look at all this stuff objectively. It has really helped to separate myself personally from the work we make. And if someone criticizes the work we make, I don't feel like they're criticizing me. They're criticizing the work we make. Yeah. And, and that's I've, okay with me. And if I you don't you, like the work we make. I've started to understand too <clears throat> that whatever we're putting out on the internet, people will take it as everything they know about us. Yeah. The only reference point they have for me as a human is what they experience online. Yeah. So they'll take what we give them and then they'll make assumptions mm -hmm. about the rest. Yeah. Based off of what we give them. And there's nothing I can do about that. That's true. Right? Yeah. People will make assumptions about the gray areas, about what you don't say. Mm -hmm. And that's just part of the job. Yeah. Okay. Also from the Discord, Coach RT. What are the best ways you've found to make money? Apart from the obvious, AdSense and influencer agencies, what are ways that you found to make money on your content creation? I'm a growing creator, recently got 3,000 subs in the last month and have 200,000 followers on TikTok. And I'm looking for ways to make money. At this point in time, I'm unsure how I feel about partnering with brands unless I truly believe in them. But obviously with my sub and follower count, I'm not in the position to pick and choose. So I'm wondering what other ways of making money you found that feel true to yourselves as people. Thanks in advance. So in terms of the, the quote unquote best way to make money, uh, I, I think that um, AdSense is a very interesting new version of monetization. And I know he said apart from the obvious, but I just want to talk about a, a little bit in my experience and in our career, there was a large part of our career where I said AdSense is a non-factor. Uh, I don't look at it as any part of our business. I It's too volatile. Um you know, all the above, which is true. But when you build a really big library of a similar type, like similar types of content, for us, it has become a much more significant part of our business now. Uh, and one that now we have no choice but to account for. It cannot operate as, you know, just found money or something we don't look at. 
Um, so I think AdSense right now, I thought about this this weekend. Like if we stopped uploading for the next year, I wonder how much we would make from AdSense. It wouldn't be nothing and it would probably be somewhat significant. And that's a pretty amazing thing as a creative. Everyone is always searching for like, how, how do you do that? How can you mm -hmm. make money without having to create more? So, it, it, you know, AdSense is a very compelling thing, but it only happens after years and years and years of building a library. I would say specific to this creator, Coach Artie, who has 200,000 followers on TikTok. Yeah. And feels like they're in a position where they can't pick and choose the brands right, they want right, to work right. with. I think at that point, you should think about maybe how you can make money from something that is actually non-related, but doesn't drain your energy sure, for sure. creation mm -hmm. at that stage. I mean, there are so many creators, like remember Mark Rober for how many like subscribers did he have until he left his job? 10 million. 10 million. He, he Not that you his, should go to yeah, that extreme. He left his job at 10 million. But yeah. there is, you know, keeping money out of creativity can be really important in the early stages. So Coach Artie is coaching volleyball on TikTok. And and to the tune of, you know, 200,000 followers, 5.5 million likes. Like some of these videos have 2 million uh, views, 1.9 million views. He has different playlists on TikTok where he's got like a serving course, a passing course. So the obvious here is like, is there extended instruction that people are interested in. Yeah, what about in-person volleyball training? Yeah. If that isn't something we, you are. We've do. been talking about this idea of like practice, which I think would be really fun, where like adults can come back to like whatever the high school sport they were, but just do practice. Yeah, we don't paid. have to be in the game. Yeah, I think it'd be really fun. But yeah, I mean like he has a Patreon, uh, which is interesting, but I think there's a personalization here to like one-on-one -on -one coaching that feels really in line with your value. And again, it's not anything of it's just like if someone wants it, offer the one-on-one -on -one coaching to them. You seem very passionate about coaching volleyball. People seem to trust you. And over the next couple of years, your job is to build credibility as the best volleyball coach on the internet, right? Yeah. I just want to say, as I've been looking around Coach Artie's TikTok, yeah. one of my favorite things is that he only follows one person, mm -hmm. and it's his wife. Uh, I love that. That's great. Wife of Coach Artie. And that's her TikTok? No, that's not her TikTok. Oh, oh. <laughs> but that's the description. Oh, unbelievable. On her page. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's nice. Coach Artie has a Patreon right now, and it does not look like it's caught any any level of traction. Maybe, um, you know, maybe because the TikTok to Patreon connection just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work. I, we've heard that from other creators that like TikTok does not translate into, into paying members or subscribers. So double down on YouTube. Uh, try and find the YouTube audience and then either individual coaching or scaled coaching like a Patreon could work. Um, but do you feel like right now everyone wants very accelerated path to monetization? Because most successful creators we've talked to, it's taken years and years and years. It's not an overnight thing. Mm. And there weren't even opportunities for us to monetize at the sub 10,000 subscriber marker. And actually even at the 10,000 subscriber marker, we you couldn't monetize on YouTube, couldn't make money on AdSense, couldn't make money from brands. So mm -hmm. you had no choice but to just keep growing. And do other things. And do other things. I think I think there's like a prematurity to starting to think like I'm ready to be in the business of, of advertising. Um, I really like the idea of in-person training because I think it'll 
continue, if you don't do this already, because it'll continue to illuminate what are the problems that your community is facing and probably give you ideas for videos you could make. Yeah. Or what about camps? What about camps? Day camps, volleyball day camp. I love camp. Yeah. It's great. You know, though. Yeah. I do find volleyball a little bit intimidating. Like when you get invited to adult volleyball and everyone there is like really good and you feel like you just walked onto that scene from Top Gun. Everyone's like ripped and they're spiking the ball and then it's your turn to serve and you don't even get it over the net. You know? No. It's a real experience that I had. (laughs) It's just... I found it to be intimidating. Wait, this, I, you weren't just saying a hypothetical? That's a real thing? Yeah, I find, I, last time I was invited to play volleyball. Where were you invited? On the beach? Yeah, of course. There's oh. a lot of beach volleyball out here. Oh. I just find that sometimes it's hard to get the ball yeah, I don't, over the net. Listen, I don't mess around with volleyball. Like, I don't play volleyball. Never have, never will. Okay. Played badminton last week. Because you're afraid of it, like I am? Yeah, it's just not my game. But you're afraid of it. Something a little scary about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, people spike, I don't know. It's not my game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's a question about content marketing and I want to take a step back and this episode in the beginning, we talked about like, you know, great advertising and, and how Casey's done it. Logan Paul and KSI with Prime right now, they're about to sell their billionth bottle. That is crazy. Yeah, flex. You, you actually zoom out and go like, that didn't have to work. Like when they first announced Prime, like that didn't have to work. Definitely. I that, mean, at that time too, it felt like everyone was launching something. Like yeah. There were so many creator announcements. To, uh, you know, the the unbelievable seamless nature to how much they both have Prime just on them at all times is pretty amazing. Um, like Logan becoming a WWE entertainer and having Prime be a part of that is so substantial. Um, but what they just did is they partnered with Mark Rober to build this contraption where it's very simple. There's a golden bottle of Prime. If you get the golden bottle, you win a million dollars. Very Mr. Beast-esque, right? In order to get it, you have to be physically in New York or London, and you have to approach this contraption that Mark Rober built and type in a code. If you guess the code wrong, you're done. If no one guesses the code in 48 hours, the bottle will self-destruct by evaporating into like extreme heat. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, an incredible marketing tactic that it's going to create more videos. Like it is an opportunity for the audience to share the story mm-hmm. of the marketing, right? To be like, here I am in line. Here I am the moment I put in mm-hmm. the six digit code. Let's film wall. We see if I won. Yeah. And that gets shared. The thing that those guys are really, really good at that Logan is unbelievably good at is earned media. Earned media meaning, listen, this thing probably costs them one point. If someone wins, it's going to cost them, you know, a million bucks in each place, so two million. Plus, working with Mark Rober, getting the event plan. Let's just, let's go ahead and call this 2.5 million. The amount of exposure that they will get will far outweigh that investment. And that's what they've gotten really good at. And that exposure doesn't cost them any additional dollars. You know, there's a, Few instances of this in traditional marketing. The I think we've talked about it on the show before, but the Oreo, um, you can dip in the dark. When the Super Bowl, uh, during the Super Bowl, when the lights went out, they didn't pay for a Super Bowl ad, but they tweeted out about dipping in the dark and that ended up doing like millions and millions and millions of impressions. Um, that's where I think we've seen Logan and KSI uh, and, and Jimmy as well do a great job with earned media of saying, 
how do I craft something where it's mutually beneficial for you to post and for me that you post, right? Like, yeah. but, but it's beneficial to you to post. Uh, and some of that is just emotional, like people showing up to the New York or London venues and being like, I'm at a prime thing and it's cool. And there's a golden bottle of prime and I'm going to try and win a million dollars. Yeah. How do you invite your uh, audience, your customers to be a part of the story? Yeah. Whereas if you look at what Gatorade did at the exact same time, basically was launching a cleat where if you pour a bottle of Gatorade on it, it changes colors. Wait, when did Gatorade do this? Uh, very recently. Really? I think they, yeah. They collabed with, uh, maybe it was Shador Sanders, but huh. like that's interesting. It's visual. Yeah. People may want to watch that video. But the story of that kind of ends there. Pour the Gatorade, changes colors. All right, cool. I'm going to move on. Yeah. Whereas a campaign like this, of course, it's like they're very different. But a campaign like this, the story of it will travel. People can get involved, film themselves. And if someone wins a million dollars, that will then in turn make headlines. Yeah. Kid wins a million dollars by punching in a code to win a golden prime bottle. Well, I thought you were going to say punching someone in line. No, 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 no. Yeah. But that's like, you know, again, they're, they're, um, they're very good at understanding the story of the story. Yeah. Right? It's not about this campaign. It's about how many stories will be told about the campaign. So in order to do that, you have to give a canvas for a story. You have to be so plugged into how, how, how internet culture works and how people on the internet tell stories to provide them the act one. Here's your act one, go create. Yeah. It's also an understanding that most creators or most aspiring creators, biggest problem is ideas. So you now just gave me the idea for me to go out and create. Yeah. So that's like a very beneficial relationship between I mean, brand and creator. Even to bring it back again to Casey, where we started this episode, his video that he made on his channel for Nike, Make It Count, the story of that ad is what got shared. Yeah. The fact right. that he <clears throat> took the entire budget and decided to travel around the world instead of making their ad. That's true. That was the story of the ad. And that's what got shared. And what now has 32 million views on YouTube. It's a good point. You know? Yeah. So the question that led me to think about this is uh, Ethan asking about content marketing and especially when it comes to the use of websites and blogs to promote. Uh, I see a lot of, it's not a strategy I see a lot of creator-driven brands use. Is this something that you've seen done well? Is there a path when you recommend driving traffic to a brand website? I think um, it's something that e-commerce companies do a lot where they, they create blogs so that search traffic comes to them. Right, the internet is is <clears throat> categorized by search terms, and so people searching for things are gonna they're gonna get connected to text, not necessarily like a moment in a video. So, to drive traffic to like a a website like that, yeah, I mean, I think that might be on a case by case basis. To to talk about our personal experience, we are going to incorporate written content into our website that we are now building which will likely be in the in the context of show notes so that we can test this out and see if we can drive some search traffic to the website. I, I think it's a very case-by-case -case basis, but yeah, I, do, I think creator companies are just more focused on driving traffic in video-centric environments than yeah. in, on, on websites. Say most likely, and maybe it's because I don't know enough about 
sort of like marketing off of a website, off of text. But our perspective has generally always been like the content should speak for itself. Like a really <laughs> good video is what will travel, is what yeah. will and share the story. We haven't put any emphasis into making a website. 100%. Because, I say that from a place of yeah, like- but because our YouTube channel is our website. Now we have more offerings and we're moving into, you know, different lines of business. So we'd like to have a website that can house all of that. But even making a website, this process of making a website has almost felt uh, old, like an old, like we're, we're, yeah. we're I implementing an older strategy. It only makes sense because now we're going to start asking people to pay uh, and we need a, a payments landing page and we need then that suggests that the whole site should feel like more all-encompassing of the Colin Smear brand. So there's a lot more that goes into that. But if you're not doing that, I don't, I mean, look at most creators' website who just make videos. They're not going to be, either they're not going to have it or it's not going to be built out. It's just going to be a contact page. Mm -hmm. I don't think websites are that required in, in our space. All right, I, I want to talk about this. Um, there's there's a couple things that happened, obviously, over the last week. Um, SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, was charged on all seven account, all, all seven counts. Yeah, all seven counts that he was charged with. He was guilty. Um, he was the founder of FTX, FTX big crypto marketplace. Also a major advertiser. With creators. With creators and celebrities. Yeah. Paid Larry David $10 million, paid Tom Brady upwards of, of $10, $20 million. Um, turned out it was, it, it was all fraud. Um, there was a post on our subreddit called creators should learn from crypto scammers. And, and I found it to be interesting timing and, and I read it and uh, I, I just want to want to read it to you. So recently I realized that the most valuable skill creators need to learn is the art of selling and the ones we should all learn it from crypto scammers. Here's why. Okay. I'm already opposed to this. Yeah, I'm already opposed to this. But I will, I haven't seen this yet, so no, no, I'm already out. Um, I'll follow along with you. In 2021, crypto scammers stole 10.9 billion on the internet. They were fully aware that they were deceiving and devastating lives by taking away people's life savings, yet they did it boldly. On the flip side, creators trying to add value to others' lives often feel guilty for asking for payment. What's the problem? Self-confidence. The solution, take a good look at the offer product service and ask yourself, does it genuinely help solve a problem and improve lives? The answer is yes, then you're not scamming anyone. So there's no need to feel that way. If you're hesitant about promoting something to your followers, drop a comment below and I'll help you determine whether it sounds like a scam or not. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's just not a very built out kind of argument yet, but- uh, I, I get it. It's like a personal gut check. Do you think you're helping people or not? But I'm sure a lot of people who've scammed people have thought, <laughs> have convinced themselves that they're helping people. Actually, I know people have thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think we should take much from. <laughs> but I appreciate the boldness of this yeah. po of the post, <laughs> yeah. and and uh, I, I think the one point I will agree with is that a lot of creators are hesitant and timid to sell something. Yeah, it's kind of a roundabout way to say that like creators can sometimes be underconfident. Yes. Yeah, when they try and sell things, they they can be underconfident, although they're ready to overdeliver. And yeah. I I think it's more of just the consumer behavior uh, between us and our audience that we don't ask our audience to pay. Yeah. For anything, right? And, and once you start doing that, you you create a lot of friction between the relationship, even if you don't stop producing the free content. Yeah. The second you you do that, it almost adds this layer of intention that the audience, what it wasn't in their face that you're growing a business, but now it's like 
you're trying to you're trying to make money off this, you know? Yeah, it's a totally different dynamic. It's just a different yeah. dynamic. A lot of times it starts with, you know, creator is just making something they want to make to provide value and mm -hmm. advertisers pay for it. Right. I don't think it helps that the internet is noisy right now with a healthy mix of real stuff and scams, you know? Like this FTX thing is, that was a really big company that looked legitimate. Yeah. And that worked with creators and that was, uh, seemed like it couldn't get more legitimate than that. They were the sponsors of an arena. Like, it felt like there was no other social proof I needed to tell me that that was a real company. And it wasn't. So the more and more that happens, the more that has a ripple effect on everything we all do on the internet of people being like, is that real? You know? Yeah. Because I saw something that looked pretty real and it wasn't. So I think you can only... Uh, I don't know what the solution is there. I don't, first of all, I don't think we should learn, you know, anything from people who scam other people. But um, I think that the challenge that we will all face as we move forward is um, making sure that, that we are, our intentions are always really clear and that we act on delivering value. That's it. That's all you can do. Right. On the topic of selling. Okay. And also just acknowledging that we're now in the deep end. Yeah. Been thinking a lot about billboards. Okay. I think it'd be fun to get into the billboard game. I'm down again. Start marketing on billboards. Yeah. And maybe start with one and don't tell everyone where it is mm -hmm. and wait for everyone out there to find it. Like a find the Colin and Samir billboard. That's fun. Isn't that fun? That is fun. What would be on the billboard? I don't know yet. I just think it'd be fun to have people try and find the billboard. Just us and it says, you found us. <laughs> that would be so fun. <laughs> That's it. You found us. <laughs> People would go, who are those guys? It probably would be terrible marketing, but maybe the story of it would travel. Maybe the story of it would, maybe we'd end up on Good Morning America. You found us. <laughs> Where did they go? I don't even know who these guys are. <laughs> now I need to know more. And there's just no link to us anywhere. <laughs> That's really funny. That's good. Maybe we'll do that. Doesn't that sound fun? Yeah. I like that. You found us. That's good. Okay. All, All right. right. Great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creator Support. Um, Again, we, we said this is on a couple episodes, but we will be mostly audio only for creator support for the remainder of the year. So if you want to find this show on the most consistent basis, make sure you are a subscriber to our RSS feed. That can be found on Apple Pods or on Spotify. Check back there for episodes. We will not be as frequent here on YouTube this year. We are traveling a lot, shooting a lot of episodes. So just hang out with us uh, on audio. I got one more gripe. Okay. Actually, one gripe before we go because sure. we didn't even have a gripe. Okay. And it's been a while, I think, since we've had a gripe. Yeah. I just got these Birkenstock clogs, yeah. which uh, if you're if you're anyone's watching right now, you can see. Here they are. Yep, there they are. Um, it always feels like my, my shoes are falling off. There's no back on these shoes. Samir, they're clogs. And so could that's you imagine? The concept. I know. I, yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, cool. There's no back. Yeah. It's so relaxed. It's so fun. Every step I take, I, I'm, I think my shoe is falling off. And I just think it's a flawed model. I think you can't call them footwear. Like they're not really shoes if they feel like they're going to fall off. They're not secure, Samir. It's like a slipper. And we're all acting like these are shoes. Like you can walk in the world outside of your home. There's no backs. Are you following me? Thanks for watching. Okay, thanks. We'll see you next week.